This is Bucket Talk, a weekly podcast for people who work in the trades and construction that aren't just trying to survive, but have the ambition and desire to thrive. The opportunity in the trades and construction is absolutely ridiculous right now. So if you're hungry, it's time to eat. We discuss what it takes to rise from the bottom to the top with people who are well on their way and roll up their sleeves every single day. This is Jeremy and Eric here with Bucket Talk, powered by Brunt. On this episode of Bucket Talk, we have TJ McCormick, goes by the name the world's greatest roofer. But before we jump in, Eric, what's been going on? All right. So for those of you that don't know, we just spent the past few weeks getting ready for our one of our biggest launches today. It's called our Torah Work Pant. Obviously, the workwear and the apparel side is, is a, a category that we tested into last year and saw a lot of success. So we brought in this incredible work pant. It's really like an everyday work pant that you can obviously wear on the job site. It's got reinforcements. The material's incredible. But um, most importantly, it's got a clean look to it. And it is really sharply priced at 60 bucks. And so that's been kind of all the energy and effort for myself and the team. But Jeremy, why don't you share a little bit more about our buddy that we named and worked with the pant on? Shout out to Tony, one of our good friends. Tony is a fellow veteran, a fellow tradesman, but spent time in the army as a combat engineer, blowing stuff up and then uh, moved to the excavation operation also while driving trucks. Really is just a over the road trucker and uh, all around good guy, father, and uh, definitely fun to crack a couple cold ones with. Absolutely. All right, let's dig in. Welcome. We're here with TJ McCormick. TJ McCormick goes by the world's greatest roofer. TJ, welcome. What's going on, Brunt and Eric and everybody else there? How's it going today? Awesome. Jeremy as well. Sorry, you forgot Jeremy there. Hey, it's, all, it's all right. It <laughs> it's, it's easy. It's easy to forget him. <laughs> no, man. He's got great hats. <laughs> That's all I wear. So TJ, thanks for being on the podcast. You're our first roofer by trade. So I'm super yep. pumped to do this. And uh want to dive into how you got your start and the trade itself. Let's start off by going back as far as you want. I mean, I, I want to hear how you got your start and why you were a roofer. So thank you guys so much for having me on your podcast. Uh, I love Brunt Construction Wear, so I'm going to go ahead and throw that out there now. Thank yeah. you guys for being a huge supporter of mine. I grew up in the 90s. Uh, I went into the military in the late 90s. I served four years overseas on an Aegis cruiser as a torpedo man. And uh, let me tell you, in the Navy, yep, I was uh, oh. in the Navy. So uh, I got out of the Navy and uh, I was a torpedo man in the Navy. So there really wasn't any other jobs out there in the real world to, <laughs> that, that was uh, similar <laughs> to torpedoes. So I became a cop. <laughs> so uh, I, I was a police officer in some capacity for roughly 14 years in the area of Washington, D.C. And uh, after I was a police officer, I did some odd jobs, you know, trying to find what was best for me to do in a new world in my middle 30s. And uh, I, I stumbled across a Craigslist ad and uh, became a, a recruiter for a insurance program that basically would send roofs directly to roofers from the insurance company. And, uh, and that's how I got started in this industry. Awesome. Awesome. So are you up there on the roofs, swinging hammers, uh, doing all that stuff or walk me through a day in the life? 
Yeah. So typically uh, nowadays, I'm a trainer, an educator, right? I own a company that is called One Industry, One Model, uh, where we teach people how to sell more roofs uh, it, using a finance model. But back throughout my career, yes, I have swung a hammer. Back in the early 2000s, I was married to uh, somebody who her father was uh, kind of like a general contractor. Moving forward up till now, I typically just sell roofs and then project manage jobs, either commercial or residential with the crew. This is cool for me because my first construction job ever was a roofer when I was 14 years old. My dad worked at Pratt & Whitney building airplane engines, coincidentally, on the assembly line, third shift. And then during the day and weekends was working for his friend's roofing company. And so when I was 14, they hired me illegally because <laughs> you couldn't do construction work then, right? Yeah. To be the gopher, they'd strip the roofs and then I'd pick up all the shingles off the ground, get the nail roller off. And then I actually started stripping the roofs. I was, it was kind of funny. I'm actually terrified of heights. So it was like the worst yeah. job ever because I hated going up on the roof and I weighed like 90 pounds. Then they started making me bring bundles up on my shoulder if we were running the power ladder. And that was even scarier because I was afraid of heights. Also carrying, you know, 40 pound bundles and I weighed 90 pounds. So it was a summer. Uh, I never forget. It's actually the inspiration for Bucket Talk. How, how it all came about. How many bundles did you get up to carrying at one time? The most I ever tried was two, and they yeah. weighed about what I weighed. I, I think I did those two and never did two again. You know, they, they weigh anywhere from eighty to a hundred pounds a bundle. And I've seen guys three and four at a time, and yeah. uh, I'm just scared for them on that ladder. Yeah, <laughs> and, then, and that's before they had tie offs. Nobody tied off. No, that. and I was fourteen. No, tie. I was running up the fucking ladder. Nothing, dude. It was it was crazy. You know, one of my biggest fears is not heights. It's it is the ladder. I'm scared of the ladder. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of a lot of roofers are like that, and the tie off is huge now. I mean, I see so many people's with splits down their head from falling off, and uh, I, I'm scared to death of it. It's amazing, actually, because I had a roofing story. I watched my father and his brother's roof their parents' house, and uh, they use the old wooden extension ladders. Oh and yeah, I watched my uncle Bobby snap a rung in half and literally like just get wedged in the ladder. And I was like, now they have aluminum ladders, and everything's a little bit better, but. It wasn't too long ago that that they had they had wooden extension ladders. We still have a problem in this industry with trying to choose the best ladder. And uh, a lot of people, when they first start, they seem to get this one type of ladder. And and I'm like, no, go get the more sturdy one. So, <laughs> but uh, but no, uh, whenever I'm recruiting guys, I'm like, don't get that collapsible ladder. Get the one that swings open. So what made you make the shift from being a roofer to just doing sales? Was it? too tough on the body? Was it, you know, more money? Was it a business model? Take us through all that. I mean, I live in Colorado. Uh, It's a little bit different demographic than roofing in, say, the Northeast, like where you guys are from, right? If you know anything about New York, Boston, or, or that Northeastern corridor, roofing is retail typically. You might not have to go knock on doors, or maybe you do knock on doors, but typically it's somebody paying out of pocket for that roof. I'm getting older. I'm in my mid-40s, uh, almost 45. And and yes, my body does hurt from just carrying a ladder most days. But here in Colorado, we have hailstorm after hailstorm or windstorm or tornadoes. And, and we have an insurance program. You know, Insurance uh, pays for most everything. So whenever there's that type of event, there's a lot of money to be made real quick uh, if you go sell roofs. Yeah. yeah. My, a buddy of mine actually that I grew up with was in a, actually in a paper feature. And this may not be a good term, but it's a money-making term, but they coined him a storm chaser. So he would yep. literally go to like Texas when there was a, and then he'd move everything. And literally he, what's funny is he actually never worked construction in his life, never knew how to put a roof on. 
there would be devastation. He'd show up and literally make like an absolute killing and just, just getting roofs back on houses and yeah. just that, hiring. That, uh, that's what we do. I'm a storm chaser by trade because that's where I grew up in this industry was storm chasing. And even when I was working for the insurance company, I was working with only storm chasers. So since I've uh, been a partner in this new deal, it's strictly based off of going after those storm chasers and teaching them how to do retail sales or financing roofing jobs. Uh, and that's where it's different. And, and I get to meet so many new characters, if you will, because there's a lot of characters out there. Yeah, you're right. That's interesting. So take me through a little bit of the education process. So what yeah. made you go from doing all of this and getting in the sales part to now being a, uh, a leader in the roofing community and, and essentially taking the knowledge that you've learned and passing it down? Like, what was that pivotal point for you that you're like, you know what? I can improve the younger generation or I can make them better. When I started with the company that I worked for first, I had to teach myself everything that there was to know about the roofing trade from roofing sales, even down to the insurance type that you have for your business, to the accounting, to learning how to read estimates or write proper estimates or bids, if you will. Um, and uh, there was nobody to teach me. So when I started recruiting these companies to come work for my program, in the very beginning, we were at like a 40% close rate. And then once I started educating young roofers at 21, 22, 23 years old on how to do a proper inspection, how to get the roof bought, how to uh, properly inspect the house or the building that they were on to get more money, I became pretty good at, at making uh, that sales rate go up from 40% to about 63 to 65%. And then I went out on my own, uh, not on my own, right? I went to work for roofing companies um, where there was no training. Like you get there to your roofing job on day one and that roofing company owner is, oh man, you're so great that you're here. Uh, sign this 16 page contract and let's go door knocking. That was your training. It wasn't like, hey, here's a shingle. This is how many inches apart it needs to be. You need to have six nails and a shingle. This is why it doesn't leak. It was nothing like that. It was, hey, let's go knock on some doors and see if somebody wants a new roof. So now I'm so interested in helping the sales guy or the sales girls, sales people, excuse me, if you will, be more successful by understanding the trade in full versus just understanding how to knock on a door. Now, you know what's interesting about that? I see it with paving and hot topping. And yep. I, and I see it with roofing and, and I don't actually see it with any other trade and, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. We'll probably sure. see it in the comments, but, um, what I've noticed with, when it comes to like bulk rates, like, so I have a whole bunch of hot top. You see a lot of companies will say, I'm in the area, I'm doing your driveway. I'll do the driveway to the next, you know, and just continue down the road because they got hot material. They got the crew. It takes a lot to unload everything. So if they can hit one, two, three, four houses, well, the worst of that, though, which my father-in-law got hit with is yeah. they come to town, do roofs, give you a lifetime warranty. And then they're literally, you know, if they're in New England, they're in Midwest. They're, you're never hearing from them again. No matter well, we call that the taillight warranty. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you only, that warranty only goes as far as those roofers' taillights. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I mean, a lot of people have kind of caught on to that. Sure. So how are you combating that? Or, yeah. or how are you teaching your you know, young roofing companies to say, Hey, you know what, obviously take pride in your product, but then how do you handle warranties? I mean, I've seen it before where you have a roofer blame the siding guy, a siding guy blame the roofer and it's back and forth and back and forth. And you're sitting there going, there's no recourse, right? No. 
No, there's not. Like there is a bad thing with what we call chucks in a truck in this industry, right? Yeah. Um, the, the chuck will pull up in front of the house that, uh, and the other chuck will stay in the truck and uh, he'll say, oh, I can fix your roof. I can fix your siding. I can fix that downspout and that soffit. And all you got to do is pay me a check today for $5,000. And, uh, and then again, that taillight warranty now becomes a taillight thief because that money just drove away after you handed that man that check. In this industry now, we're having a shift to where more education, more vetting processes of salespeople or, or roofing company owners, we're making sure that there's policies and procedures that are being followed or handled by each company because each roofing company owner can literally open a business today with a million dollars in general liability and a license in an area and never have been a roofer in their life. And uh, it's the wild west. There are some locations that have codes and things that roofers have to follow, but you take an open book test to be a roofer. There's nobody out there policing the roofers of the world other so, than the insurance companies. So I'm actually, I'm, I'm really intrigued. So how does this partnership work? Do you partner with local distributors to then guarantee the product? I mean, because... Yeah. You know how it is. Everybody passes the buck. Yeah. The, the distributor says, oh, you damaged the shingle due to yep. insulation. So now the roofer doesn't want to warranty it to the customer and you know, so on and so forth. How are you combating that? So whenever we do a contract with a homeowner now, yep. um, and we will typically use a, a program called Company Cam. And uh, Company Cam will allow us to basically document everything from before, during, and after the entire process. Uh, and then even in our contracts, we say, hey, we've started our documentation process to make sure that there's nothing uh, damaged. Um, and now if the material comes and the material's damaged, then we either have one of two ways we're going about it. We're going after the supplier to say, hey, this material is no good, or to the manufacturer that we also have our relationships with. Because now most roofers are either Owens Corning Platinum Preferred, they're either GAF Master Elite, or they're a certain teed shingle master. Now, if I forgot a particular roofing brand, I'm not doing that on purpose. Yeah. I just named the top three, but they have programs that you have to go and get trained in order to be named by them as a good roofer. And uh, I'm a certain teach shingle master. And then I, I also work together with Atlas and, and GAF. Interesting. Interesting. So the industry as a whole is becoming more intertwined in how they sell their product, how they install their product and how they warranty their product. I mean, are you seeing educational platforms or are you spearheading some of this stuff like teaching proper ways of roofing and good common practices and stuff along those lines? Yeah, there's there's a ton of education programs out there, coaching programs for roofing company owners, like the one that I that I have is one industry, one model, right? Then there's others like Storm Ventures Group or, or Blue Collar Media, right? There's a, so many different types of programs for roofing companies, either virtually or in person, the Roofing Academy, right? Or, or Commercial Roofing Academy. Yeah. Um, and uh, all of those people have been in the trades for a while and they've seen all of the failures and, and and they're really trying to make more ethical roofers or, or, or roofing company owners. In business in 2022, it's totally different than what it was pre-COVID in 2020. And, and so we're trying to uh, make changes immediately to how things are done uh, throughout the United States because nothing is as what it was before then. Other than Chuck and the truck, what's the biggest stigma that comes with roofers that you guys are trying to combat? 
so there has always been a, a horrible drug and alcohol problem in our country, no matter what trade you're in. Typically in trades, people get a lot of fast money quick and then they go blow it, uh, you know, forgive my analogy, but blow it up their nose or they drink it until they fall asleep. And they do that daily, right? And, uh, and a lot of times uh, in the past, those chuck in the trucks or, or people similar to those types of people would only be around until they, they needed money for their next high. The bad stigma of the construction workers that do drugs and alcohol, it's not just construction workers. It's in every trade. But it just seems to be that construction workers have taken the, the brunt of that. Um, we do have programs out there. There's a program called Roofers in Recovery. I, I think I actually got a video from the good boss. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and that, that was uh, Paul Reed that was talking about that. You know, Paul Reed uh, is a great guy. He he runs that organization. But there are people that have seen that, hey, maybe if we take this by the horns and try to clean this up, we'll get a better outlook to the people that are watching us. And and one of the things that I do on TikTok is I'm really upset with the people that are still promoting drugs, alcohol, prostitution, all of the bad, unethical things that are out there uh, and putting them on video for other people to see because... I'm trying to promote a positive light or make it better. And then we still have these people out there that are promoting the negative. Yeah, it's actually, uh, Victor's a good friend of ours and he also goes by the good boss. It's amazing because his story with Kevin right now has been unbelievable. So Kevin, he's been going around and and trying to empower local people who are who are downtrodden and or down on their luck. And, and he found this man, Kevin, who he's been working through, found out he has substance issues and then through Paul Reed and, and uh, through um, that program, Good Boss flew down with them to, uh, I think it was in Florida, correct? To, with the Good uh, Bosses? Yeah, yeah. I, think, I think the Good Bosses in Florida. I could be wrong. I thought no, it was yeah. maybe Indiana. They, no, they flew down to uh, Florida for the rehab. And, and Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, sure. He's yeah. 20 minutes from us. Yeah. yeah. That, was, uh, that was pretty cool to see that there's people stepping up in the trades and, and uh, helping other individuals. That's kind of funny because it leads me to my next question is what would you tell a young person looking to get into the trades? And I think that that's a big one is, is, you know, stay away from all the junk. Don't worry about drinking your sorrows away or whatever. But what would you tell a young person coming into the trades? Well, into, I'd say into roofing specifically. Yeah. A young person coming into the roofing trades needs to understand every side of it. They don't need to just come to be a roofing salesperson because that's not going to help them in the long run, right? Uh, anybody can make sales, but sometimes people don't understand what it is that they sell. Uh, in order to have longevity, uh, you have to understand what it takes from day one, uh, from the first time you knock on a door to the first time you do an inspection to writing that bid, to completing the job, and then closing that job out with the final payment. That also goes with safety and, and everything else. In my view, I feel as if uh, the younger guys, 21, 22, and 23, need to go through some sort of money program where they learn how to deal with their money at a young age. There's nothing in schools anymore. Uh, like we used to have what's called home economics, if you guys remember. Yeah. Oh, yeah. People learned how to, to sign the check. You remember you would learn how to write a check. 
But nobody ever told us what to do with our money once we had some. And a lot of times these guys come for that quick money. They get 10, 20, 30, $40,000 a month in their first month. And then they go blow it or they ruin their lives by doing something that they shouldn't have done. Um, I, I really feel that life lessons do occur while at work most days. But I feel as if uh, uh, it's easy for a, a roofing salesperson or a trade salesperson to get caught up in fast money. We've had a few guests on here that have said that their first business was profitable, but it failed. And I think that that's a true testament to money management. And I, I think that that's a good key point to hone in on. And, you know, I was never good with money growing up. And I think that, you know, you hit the nail on the head with the fact that, you know, I get 40 grand, I'm going out and buying an old body style truck, putting rims on it and calling it a day. And then, yeah. then I don't have enough money to, uh, to supply the next job or, you know, pay the crew or, or what have you. And I think that that's a good takeaway. Yeah, I've seen that. I mean, you see that a ton. If you don't have a really concrete plan, your best bet is just keep it in the bank, keep building, keep stacking until you have someone that can help you say, okay, you can pull, you know, maybe that roofer has been doing it for two years. You got a hundred grand, you got enough to cover payroll for the next six months. Maybe you could pull a little bit out, put it to the side, but mixing your, uh, business finances with your personal finances because you, you're the owner of a roofing companies dangerous because the business requires some of that to run in yep. personal stuff that stuff gets mixed and it's a can be messy real fast if it's not run well then comes tax season and then you're like <laughs> shit <laughs> yeah yeah Exactly. Yeah, no doubt. Tax season. As a matter of fact, I'm working on some tax stuff right now because I do own a business called World's Greatest Roofer. And we, we've been on the phone with the sales tax people all day. <laughs> it's a sales tax. Thank goodness we don't owe any right this minute. But if you don't understand basic money principles or, or in business, how to pay your taxes, you're going to get in trouble. Death and taxes, two things you can't avoid. Yeah. Everyone's going to get it one way or the other. Yeah. So you better figure out how to do it right, or at least at least try your best to do it honestly. So one thing we always like to ask everyone, so obviously you're super deep into the space and from the business you have and the business you run, when you're actually able to disconnect from all things internet and all things social media and all things your business, which is probably, you know, absorbs most of your life based on where you're at. Yeah. What's some of the stuff that you like to do completely unrelated to anything remotely related to roofing? Yeah, so um, I uh, I have four kids, um, and uh, a lot of people. God bless you. God bless you. <laughs> a lot of people don't know that that I have that many kids, uh, but I, I do. Uh, I have three that live here at home with me, and then I've got a fifteen year old. Um, that lives in Virginia. And uh, whenever I'm not doing the social media or the roofing or the traveling, we're always going, going, going either, you know, soccer lessons, football, uh, we're, we're getting ready to start swim lessons. Um, now I, I have a four month old little girl, she just turned four months on Sunday. Uh, so now I get to start that all over again here in the next year or so when she gets old enough to walk and run. I know that the boys are going to be such a, a huge uh part of her life and, and making her run faster when she's that age. <laughs> so the, the two eight-year-olds keep us going constantly. So are they twins? No, um, one is, uh, turned eight in April and the other one is about to turn nine in November. So Irish twins, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> they're back to back for sure, man. Nice. Um, but, uh, but they, uh, their mom is, uh, she's a beautiful lady. She's an immigrant here from Paraguay. We love that she's here with us. Of course, you know, we've had some scares in the past with immigration, but we're glad that everybody's here safe and sound. 
That's awesome. That's awesome. No, nothing better than spending your downtime with your family. It makes all the business stuff, take a back seat while you can, and then switch the flips and, and go back over. But it's always nice to, to unplug and, and see them growing up. Yeah, no doubt. I, I love my kids. Uh, and I, I do everything, of course, just like most parents do for their families. And if it wasn't for roofing, I'd probably, uh, I'd probably be doing something else, but I don't think my life would be like it is today uh, because I wouldn't be able to afford certain things that roofing's been able to make me have or help me have. Awesome. Awesome. No, I feel the same way. 14 years old. That's why. I, so I'll share a little bit of the, the story about Bucket Talk, which is um, the reason it's called Bucket Talk is I, you know, when I was 14, I was sitting at lunch with those guys on the roof from the roof. There's one guy I'll never forget for the rest of my life because I'll never. <laughs> it's it's kind of funny as as I think about him, but those guys were you know the stereotypical roofer that we talked about before come down and I was I was like bright eyed I was like man I'm making ten bucks an hour like I'm gonna work forty hours a week I'm gonna make four hundred bucks I'm fourteen I'm like what am I gonna do with that like go buy some clothes at Abercrombie <laughs> pair of Nikes at Foot Locker yeah. I'm like man I'm rich those are the days and they'd come down and they would be just complaining and moaning and dude, life sucks. My girlfriend, this, and this guy, he was so negative. I mean, literally like it was just negative Nelly. I literally, but what happened, we were sitting on upside down tarring buckets for lunch. I just remember him being like, dude, go to college, man. Don't ever go into the trades. This, you know, this is like the worst. And so part of the inspiration for bucket talk was like, dude, that was such a bad experience. Like, you know, someone in the trades who's doing it like, negative telling you not to go into it. And so part of as Jeremy and I were starting to think about bucket talk, it's like, dude, how do we have positive conversations about the trades and, and show that like, it's not all this misery and all, all this angst and all this stuff and actually flip the script because that was how I was kind of first introduced into it. And so I that's mean, actually kind of funny. Yeah. I mean, to, to, to piggyback on that, that is, that is the reason why we have the labor shortage that we have today is, is because there was so many people that were moaning and complaining, go to college, do this, do that. And obviously there's a time and a place for it. However, you can't just give somebody one path and say this, this is the path for you. There's, there's all different avenues and not two people are alike. So um, everybody's journey is different. And you know, there is a lot of money to be made and it's, it's not about money, but it's about passion. It's about, you know, working with your hands. I mean, I was never really good at school and, and I excelled in the trades and the classroom was at your fingertips versus, you know, in front of you on a chalkboard. So for me, um, the trades helped me get to where I, I am today. And, and I want to continue to, uh, essentially stand on a soapbox and preach it. Yeah, no doubt, man. Uh, working with your hands, uh, getting outside, at least seeing things from the angle that we get to do, which is on top of the world, right? Um, it, it's definitely uh, invigorating and fun. And especially when I get to help uh, a homeowner or a business owner that's had a, a traumatic event, such as a hail or wind or a tornado event and uh, or a hurricane. You know, I've, I've been working the hurricanes for years as well. So I, I, I love being able to uh, have the satisfaction of making sure somebody's whole after going through that it's rewarding isn't it it is man all right so at at the end of the the podcast which uh we're at right now um sure. we we're super pumped this was super enlightening in in the roofing trades oh, yeah. but um anything that you want to plug right now any uh any resources or anybody that wants to dive further into the roofing industry or reach out to you what, what's yeah. the best avenues yeah. channels to get to you and all that stuff 
Sure. Um, so if anybody ever uh, really wants to talk to me, they can go to my TikTok or my my Instagram, uh, World's Greatest Roofer, uh, on the on all the platforms, if you will. Um, and uh, TJ at World's Greatest Roofer dot com. Um, and uh, if I don't have the ability to help you, I know somebody that does, and I'll I'll make sure to make it a point at that moment that you message me to to get you whatever help you need if it's either uh, sales training, if it's learning uh, about the trade, um, if it's learning something about life, maybe I can help you with, or even go as far as uh, drug and alcohol treatment, um, which a lot of people in this world really need, and uh, they're scared to ask for it. You have no judgment from me. Um, I'll be glad to hand you a phone number of uh, somebody that can help. Oh, yeah, brother. Awesome. Well, thanks for being on the podcast, TJ. I'm glad that you guys are here. (laughs) <laughs> thank you uh, thank you guys so much for uh for jumping into the trades with brunt man i'm i was so excited the other day talking with you guys to find out that you guys are in every trade that's really cool oh yeah that's the goal and we like to go in specifically and highlight them all so that people can listen in and if they have an interest in roofing but they don't want to you know historically you have to go into it for two years to, to determine if it's something you absolutely love or you absolutely hate and so hopefully conversations like this will help folks get them into the trade if it's something that interests them or if they're like, wow, you know what I, you know, that sounds like something. Let's look at a different one. So that's the goal. No doubt. Well, guys, thank you so much for uh, the podcast today. And um, if you need anything from me, you know how to to reach out, but I've been pumping brunt for quite a while. I actually wore your shoes or the boots that Jeremy sent me. I was wearing them at my last event. People were asking me, what kind of boots are those? So uh, I really appreciate those. Oh yeah. 